This episode of No Quarter is sponsored by The Underground Retrocade. You love these games, and the way you want to play them is on the original cabinets. You want to see the side art, you want to feel the controls, and you want to hear the clash on the stereo. And by now, of course, you know that you can find all that at The Underground Retrocade. So if you're asking yourself, should I stay or should I go? The answer is, you should go there, and you should stay there. The Underground Retrocade, 121 West Main Street, West Dundee, Illinois. I'm Carrington Vanston. Je m'appelle Le Douche Royale. <laughs> and this is No Quarter, an international No Quarter, it seems, <laughs> the classic arcade podcast. Bonjour. Well, that's pretty much the extent of my, my French, other than saying, um, oui? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so you're very amiable in French. <laughs> so how are you, Michael? Uh, I am hot and not in a good way. It's It's been, been, been brain-meltingly warm here in, in Colorado. How are things in the Toronto land? Things are great. We just had Canada Day, and you just had Merca Day. We did. We we blew stuff up, and people got drunk. It was great. <laughs> we had tea and said, God save the queen, and then we wrestled did. bears. And drank syrup stuff. straight from the tree. Mmm, delicious tree. <laughs> Played some hockey in, in July. Uh, yeah, why not? I'm okay with that, street <laughs> hockey. And then you can yell car and stop for a bit. Oh, yeah. So I, I do like this syrup, well, well, sap anyway, straight from the tree. I go to uh, Sugarbush every year. Sugarbush. I like it. Sugarbush, where you go, where they make make that darn sounds syrup. Like porn star's name. <laughs> it sounds like that's what I'm calling you from now on. I'm Gary <laughs> right. Nesson, and you are Sugarbush. I'm in. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm Chester Rockwell, and you're Brock Landers. I like Sugarbush. Sugarbush McGinnis. I think that's got a real <laughs> ring to it. Come on, sounds all, sounds maybe porn star, maybe just gangster. Everyone's oh, here comes Sugarbush McGinnis. Be like um, Come on, uh, Mikey, awesome. two times. Go get the papers, get the papers. <laughs> so we got feedback. Oh, and I think there's news, too. Did you know that there's news? There's I didn't news. know that there's news. There is a few things. Um, let me look. I basically bookmarked stuff. So looking at our bookmarks, uh, Qbert. Have you ever heard of the game Qbert? Nope. <laughs> sure you have. So Qbert is getting re-released soon on Steam. It's coming to Steam. Is this a remake or is this just they're releasing the ROM in an emulator? How's that work? I don't know. Like, there's not a lot of details, but it's going to be $5 and it's going to be, as far as I can tell, a new version of Qbert, but using the old, original, you know, quasi 3D pixel art. Mm. So I don't know what's changed. They say the goal is to make, like, it to capture the old style, I guess, but keep the game intact, but still update it. So I, I don't Uh-oh. know. What I'm gonna get. Warning flags are already going up. It's going to be five bucks. Um, I will probably get suckered into paying for it and we will see if it's any good. Well, five bucks isn't much. So, so then there's also, um, there's a, f- a festival coming up in Pittsburgh that I really, really wish I could go to. And I won't be able to, <laughs> alas, but it's happening July 30th through August 2nd, and it's called the Replay FX. And the reason I'd want to go is there's a, going to be a huge number of both pinball machines and classic arcade machines available to play at this thing in Pittsburgh from July 30th to August 2nd, where I will not be, and it really disappoints me. 
But uh, we'll have a link over to replayfx.org, which is the website for it. And you can look upon the list of games and, and wish you were there. Lots, lots, lots that I want to play. I've just decided that I hate Arcade Fire. <laughs> Why? Not not the music. I think the music is great. But every time I do any kind of like arcade search on Google now, that's all that comes up is Arcade Fire Summer Festival, Arcade Fire tickets, blah, 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 blah. I hate it. It drives me insane. It's keeping you insane. Well, yeah. I think that was it for... Oh, you know what? No. Kitcade. There's a new... An, a yet another arcade front end out. And what's interesting about this one is it is... Um, it's in pre-alpha, so people can sort of... Uh, they can contribute if you want, and it's over on GitHub. So if you're, you're a coder, and it's written in JavaScript. So it's a full JavaScript front end. It's based on Node WebKit. So it's kind of cool and kind of easy to code with. And so there's yet another front end in town, and I'm still using a text front end. So. Doesn't, doesn't pre-alpha mean that it's basically he's got the Applesoft <laughs> like, basic written in pencil on a piece of paper? <laughs> yeah, I'm really also not sure what pre-alpha would be either, <laughs> but that is basically you've got the idea. But I think it just means it's remarkably unstable. <laughs> so at the moment. Sign me up um, then. <laughs> but it's still, it's fun to contribute. I just, you know, I like people, you know, to know about it. It's I like the front ends. Eventually I will actually install one. There's that, that front end that... Um the network MAME thing that our, our British friends have been trying to make us play for a while now. Yes. And I have not been able to get that to work because I've, I guess I've run into, so I had, I had to first figure out how to run SH scripts on the Mac. Cause I'm not that used to the Mac platform. And I didn't, it took me a while to figure to, to find the page that said, Oh, you just drag it onto the terminal. And that ran. And then it said, uh, couldn't find wget, So I had to download and compile wget. And now W gets telling me something about a Java mismatch error. I guess there's some weird Mac stuff with Java versions and it's driving me insane. Oh, so things driving you insane lately. This is a long list, man. Mike is a danger to himself and others. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so do we have feedback? We got fed lots of back this week. Delicious, delicious back. It's a really long letters. I'll make you read the long ones. Um, oh, we got a we got an interesting email from Adam Ward, new listener, I think, and he wrote, "Greetings at you, human." And I like brace yourself for a real compliment here. I do not hate your no quarter podcast. He's <laughs> <laughs> a North and RCR podcast. They are acceptable, perhaps even appropriate. Appropriate. Seldom do I lavish such praise freely. So you will be honored. <laughs> That's a great opening. Um, anyway, he says, furthermore, I wondered if you've ever considered mentioning some games that are notable, not for their gameplay, but for their splendid soundtrack alone. And he gave us a couple of examples of games I had never heard of before, but mostly I never heard of them, Adam, because they're Atari games, like Atari home computer games. We don't talk about such things here because I don't have one of those computers, <laughs> but I thought it was a really good idea. Uh, and that I could see being eventually maybe like a special, a special show. Mike and I have kicked around a lot of ideas of you know, very special episodes we could do. And one might very well be, let's talk about ones based on, or talk about soundtracks in general, or that could have been a great theme for the arcade draft, like draft five games that have particularly awesome soundtracks. We could have, so, could have even started with tonight's episode. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we couldn't. <laughs> so, um, 
Let's see what else we get email as. Oh, Rick wrote in again. Rick seems to be writing in every week. Hello, Rick. Says, hi, guys. Rick again. I've played actual horseshoes, and this is in response to uh, the horseshoes game we played last week, American Horseshoes. He says, I've played actual horseshoes outside at barbecues a couple of times, and when you get the right mix of people who don't take it too seriously, beer and hamburgers, it's a great time. You know, I think you could just do without the horseshoes. It's not a great time, but okay. Uh, he continues. Unlike this arcade game, which after I went and took a look at it, managed to suck any fun out of the game, um, the idea of a George Bush clone announcing scores is odd enough, and I agree with Mike. The music is brain-numbing. Thinking activities like horseshoes is a wasted video game, I came across Atari's Shoes, and that's spelled S-H-U-U-Z, while roaming online. If you weren't already aware of it, Shoes gets it right. It's fun to play, has funny visuals and audios, uh, an audio, and there is a catchy tune that doesn't earwig into your brain because it only plays on the title screen. This was a conversion kit from Atari, which is why it's probably not that well known. It was played with a trackball too. Roll back to wind up, roll forward to throw the horseshoe, and while you're playing horseshoes with its cartoony art style and farm field setting, there's the occasional chicken, turtle, and <laughs> other critters that stroll across the play area, along with the farmer riding a tractor in the background, hot air balloons, airplanes, and funny comments from the players, not to mention a bikini-clad blonde in high heels. What's with all these games wanting the bikini-clad blonde? blondes? Um Anyway, she walks by holding up an inning card, which is funny in itself since this is taking place in a pasture and not a George Bush clone inside anywhere. Since this game is humorous, it got me wondering how many truly humorous video games are out there. That might be another good theme show you could do and store away for your next break. Great suggestion, Rick. Thank you very much. He's, he concludes with, as always, you guys rock. I'm throwing the horns, Rick, because I do indeed rock Canadian style. I like that theme idea, or or to talk about games in general that are humorous. I think there's lots of games that are humorous. Many of the games that I like most are games that you know tickle my funny bone. Some unintentionally humorous, but I like the intentionally humorous ones. Yeah, those those tend to work the best, I think. Mm-hmm. So what else do we get, Mike? <clears throat> well, we got a letter from Mark Gunther, as you mentioned, um, and he has posted this as a JPEG to Imager.com. We'll have a link to that, and I'll. I'll uh, sort of skim through this because it, it is rather lengthy, and I'll, it's I'll a good I'll, letter though. I will read the points where he agrees with me, and I will throw away the ones where he does not. Uh, and spoiler alert: he will be banned at the end of this reading. <laughs> so this will be a very short, short reading of your part. <laughs> no, no, no. So I, <clears throat> let me see if I can do this. My voice might give out before he finishes. Uh, Mike and Carrington, thanks for developing a narrow news story into a broader discussion of forum bullying, gatekeep, uh, geek gatekeeping, and what is meant to be. Uh, I'm off to a good start already here, folks. What it, what it means to be an arcade collector. As both an avid listener of No Quarter and Clav Vaps forum member, your discussions gave me much to consider. This conversation made me think about our roles as arcade collectors and about an often overlooked aspect of our collective love of classic arcade games. First off, geek gatekeeping and internet bullying pylons are flat out wrong. Whatever the initial motivation, gatekeeping reeks of cliquish snobbery of high school popularity politics. As you mentioned, singling out interested newcomers as being not good enough for this subculture simply serves to close out hobbies and discourage others from joining. We shouldn't be turning away uh, newcomers. We should be welcoming, educating, and assisting people into our hobby. Amen, sir. Yeah, you're here. Yeah. As Mike said, sometimes we lose sight of this, and the forum can be too harsh on people, particularly those looking to do something non-traditional with their games. The Claw Vaps forum can sometimes react reflexively. What do you mean sometimes, Mark? 
um, to people altering classic cabinets, but it is often out of an overly strict interpretation of mission. The VAPS part of CLAW VAP stands for Vintage Arcade Preservation Society. Therefore, the forum has a broader mission. This mission sometimes gets lost, but at its core, this mission is a positive one, to preserve the vintage arcade games we love. This is a mission that all of, our, uh, that all of us should work towards. Without the gaming community's commitment to preserving these games, our history could be lost. Beyond any particular form, all of us are part of a greater hobby of, collecting, uh, of arcade collecting and appreciation. We recognize that the great gaming industry of today was built by the classics featured on the No Quarter podcast. Therefore, we should respect our history and do our part to preserve these great games. Carrington, if every other Gravatar were willfully destroyed, would you truly be happy because your machine's value would rise? No. I think, he answers it for you, Carrington, uh, I think because of your passion for classic games, you would lament the loss of our shared history. You recognize that these games aren't just commodities. These games have meaning in our lives. Therefore, we owe it to ourselves to preserve, the, preserve this history. Each machine isn't just a thing. It's a direct link to greater history, our common love of games. So while we can do as we please with our own games, we should consider how we can benefit our, our hobby. If we are ready to let go of a game, we shouldn't just leave it on the curb. We should find a good home where the game can live on. As gamers, let's not exclude, let's not ridicule, let's not bully. Instead, let's welcome newcomers and remind each other that we all have a part to play in our great hobby. By off offering others a hand, we expand our hobby and enrich our lives. As No Quarter listeners, we all benefit from strengthening our shared love of classic games. Play on. I like it. Me too. I agree, I agree with his points, absolutely. And I do, it's something I hadn't, I really hadn't thought of before is like because I have been sort of internalizing that Clav is being mean and I should stop being so mean. <laughs> but if it is at its heart a preservation society, then it's not that outrageous that people would get a little uppity about people showing up and saying, hey, can somebody give me some assistance in tearing apart this machine? And even if you're going to try to do it in a way that you can put it back – a preservation society might not be the right place to be asking for these things. Now, maybe if you say, look, I'm doing it anyway, and you are preservation people, and if you want, you can assist me in doing this in a way that I can therefore you know, rebuild it and help me do this in a non-damaging way. But I, I get why that, that's a forum that would give you some pushback. I never really thought of the whole, what does the PS and VAP stand for? So that was a good point. That said, I think a lot of the gatekeeping stuff that was going on with Tommy was not as much about, hey, you're destroying this thing as, hey, you're not a real collector. You bought it in a way that's different than I bought it, and so therefore I don't like you, or you don't know what I know, and therefore you're not as good as I am. And that's the stuff that really gets my back up with, with you know, VAPs or otherwise. So I think that, that that's still a, a significant issue. And I do think that, just like at the beginning of Mark's letter, the the geek gatekeeping and, as he put it, the bullying pylons are flat out wrong. And I think regardless of what somebody's philosophical thought is in this, like that we preserve these, don't preserve these, you want to take an archaeological approach or what have you, I still think being mean is being mean and there's no call for it. And I'm a Canadian and I'm against it. <laughs> so there. I'm a rude American, and even I, and I even I agree. You know, if you, you are a rude American, I am absolutely. I agree. See, with I just that keep telling too. you off. I won't let you finish a sentence. <laughs> I I think that I think you're 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 right on with saying that. You know, if you go into a place like Vaps and and say I'm going to destroy this machine, you might get some pushback. Now, there's there's a, a a I think a way that you can approach somebody who does that 
um, with a respectful tone and you can have a, a, an intelligent conversation where everybody benefits and everybody learns something, or you can just call them stupid and a moron and how dare you destroy these machines and, and you're not going to get anywhere. Somebody's going to get their feelings hurt. And the, the gate that these geeks are keeping gets a little bit higher every time you do something like that. I think what you should do is if you want to convert a classic machine into a 16 one, you go on the club forum and you post that you just purchased a 60 in one and you would like to convert it to a Galaga. You will get all those instructions, do them in reverse, <laughs> reverse engineer them and everybody's happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, I just, <laughs> I, unfortunately, you know, we as humans have these, this weird connection to what our, you call it human. Yeah. Yeah. We have this weird connection to our things. And I think that's related to, the things that we buy reflect the choices that we make in our lives and and the taste and how our tastes and how we view, um, view ourselves and each other and our place in the world. So, you know, that's why you see people with that are, that are Apple fanatics and they, they love their iPhones and they have no problem bashing Android buyers. And, and the same is true in reverse. And it's because people define themselves by the things that they buy. And if you say that this thing that I have sucks, you are sort of saying that you think I suck. And that's the logic, I think, and that logic is flawed, that you are not the things that you buy. And it's okay for you not to like my phone because I like my phone, and that's where it should end. I don't like your phone. Well, I don't like you. You suck. <laughs> Shut up, man. Just just testing the theory. <laughs> You're a moron. So I, I think yep, theory seems to be and, correct. Unfortunately, and especially in the space of the internet where it's it's a lot easier to be blunt and, and rude and and not really have any consequences to suffer other than somebody yelling back at you on a forum all too often these conversations. And I, and for whatever reason, it seems to happen more in Clav and Vaps than I've seen in other arcade forums. It quickly degenerates into, to name calling and, and unpleasantry. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, because arcade collecting, let's face it, is a bit of a nerd hobby. And I think what a lot of, the a heck lot you of say? the things that I like, are nerd hobbies and so I'm, I'm used to these sorts of crowds and the kind of people who like all of us nerds often have big chunks uh, in our lives especially when you're younger where you don't have a lot of power you're the outsider you're what have you and when you find your clique and you rise a bit in it i think that that kind of power can go to somebody's head i think they say i've got this knowledge i know what i'm doing and I think maybe sometimes we forget what it's like to be ostracized and what it's like to be have someone be mean to you. And you should remember what that feels like. The bully to becomes the bully. Yeah. And just, I don't know, you should remember what it feels like and don't do it to other people. Yeah. I, Mike. <laughs> Fine. You can buy your stuff on eBay. I won't think less Woo-hoo! of you. Or at least I won't say it in front of your face. Buy it now, 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 buy it now. I was actually thinking about the other day. and, and You're I, thinking about me? All the time, man. Excellent. Um, you know, I, what, I, I haven't really defined what it is for me that, that I value about the experience of, of hunting something down and making the effort as opposed to clicking buy it now. Because in all honesty, buying it now, it's easier. It saves time. And I, I've, I've recently got my hands on a, a Revision Zero Apple II, and I paid um, – less than what you would have on eBay. But these things, they do appear on eBay on a pretty regular basis. And I could have bought any one of those at any time because it's not out of, most of them are not completely out of my budget. 
you know, my wife would kill me, but we do have the money. Yeah, they're not like the Apple ones. Right. So right. I could have bought it, but for whatever reason, I held off. And, and because I found this Apple II through another collector and, you know, I drove to her place and picked it up and I met her and spent some time there. To me, it means more than it would if I had bought it off of eBay. Now, the problem then became becomes if I go on to a, a forum and slam somebody because they chose to buy theirs on eBay instead. But I it, I wonder what it is for me that, that it's that I like about having that extra experience associated with the object. I don't know. It's Thomas Paine that what we obtain too cheap we esteem too lightly, and cheap as in like easy versus like just less cost. Yeah, maybe. And and the hunt's definitely the thing because there's there are many times when once I've acquired something that I've been looking for for a long time, it immediately loses a lot of my interest. I, I've matured some, so I don't, it's not as bad, but there, <clears throat> there have certainly been times where I have spent a long time trying to acquire something. And when I do, I get it. Then it's sort of not, not really buyer's remorse. I don't regret buying it. I just like, okay, well that's done now on to the next hunt. It was the hunt that was yes. as appealing as the, that doesn't really happen to me much. I, I have very little stuff because you're a Canadian. It's more even for Canadians. My friends, my whole life I've had people come to my house and ask me like, were you robbed or have you not unpacked? <laughs> like what's going on? I just have never been the guy with a lot of stuff and, and I don't form the attachment. So I'll, I'll get things, but then I'm totally fine with, you know, off they go. I'll sell them. I'll donate them, whatever. And I get new things. So, um, I, but when I, when I pick up something new, like, like I've got the two arcade cabinets, which are the most, other than like a car, the physically largest things I think I've ever owned, <laughs> uh, or maybe a bed, I guess, bed, car, and then these things. But in both cases, I got them, and I have not stopped adoring them and playing them all the time. So, so far, for for me, like picking up these cabinets is something that, that um, one, I put a lot more thought into the other, but they've they've stayed with me, and I haven't, I haven't ceased enjoying them. Sure. Um, but I also haven't been really on the hunt for any more, because I've got no space. Yeah, I think I think in a limited space situation, I'd probably again. I think uh, for me anyway, uh, a lot of the excitement is in in the the acquisition. The having isn't as important, and in fact, you know, I give I give away or sell a lot of that stuff once I get it. So, I don't know on eBay. How dare you? Then you look down on the people who buy it. How dare you? Yes, (laughs) (laughs) I I ship the item to them with a, a, a rudely written note. Is your eBay name Mr. <laughs> Hypocrite? <laughs> <laughs> Dear eBay buyer, here's what I really know. Scorn it now. <laughs> That's right. Um, okay, let's see. We got other we got other feedback. We did. Feedback. Man. Oh, we got uh, we got feedback from Quinn, who was on the show recently. Always good to get feedback from the chief sarcasm officer. She wrote, another fun show on a weird game. Well done. Carrington was talking about the disconnection between player and character. In Dragon's Lair, the word he was looking for is agency. Those style of Laserdisc games suffer from a severe lack of agency. It's understood in game design that there's a maximum input delay and minimum feedback level required to achieve agency. Dragon's Lair and its ilk fail miserably at both, largely due to technical limitations of needing to fetch from the disc and the subsequent design limitations that imposes. I think I was the one who was raging against Dragon Slayer on the draft show. I think so too, Quinn, but I was with you on that one. Um, 
It's a polarizing game because I think there are some gamers who play it to see the art in the game and some who play it to see the design. Most gamers appreciate both, but in my experience, people lean one way or the other. If you're really into the art, the lack of agency doesn't bother you. If you're into the design, aka the game mechanics, then Dragon's Lair and newer motion games like Wii and Kinect drive you crazy. They're once again... They've once again broken the rules of agency, and it makes me stabby. <laughs> Great show as always. Let's do another draft soon. And then she says, I find very excitingly, see you both at Kansas Fest, which is the way I learned that Mike is coming to Kansas Fest, which is very happy. And I learned that Quinn is as well. So that's quite awesome. As long as Everybody she, should go to Kansas Fest. As long as she isn't stabby at Kansas Fest, we'll be fine. <laughs> be less stabby. <laughs> uh, I thought, you know, and I kept, when I was talking in the last episode about Dragon Slayer, I was actually trying to come up with the word agency because I had just had a long discussion with somebody else um, when we uh-huh, were discussing. Sure, yeah. No, we were. I have discussions with people you don't know, <laughs> and, and we were talking about it was we we're just dealing with um, female characters in video games and and basically the lack thereof. And in that discussion, the person I was speaking with, he had said one of the things he's really noticed is not as. I mean, you really notice the whole Ms. Male character thing and all that stuff that's still going on and the lack of female characters who are anything other than just, oh, it's the it's the male version, but with a bow in her hair or what have you. But there was also, he was saying, there's always that lack of agency. It seems when you have female characters in video games, they often don't seem to be controlling their own destiny. They don't seem to do anything. They have a lack of character and a lack of agency. And so we were discussing agency in those terms, in the character-based terms. And I kept trying to think of that word when I was talking, because I was like, oh, that also kind of relates to the way I was playing Dragon Slayer. And I couldn't think of it. So I'm very glad that she wrote in, because that was the word I wanted. Well done. Quinn. Well done. Mm. Um, oh, you know what? And last one, I think we should mention Douglas. Douglas wrote in um, with the subject, really? Because <laughs> this will lead us over to this week's game. Smooth wrote, transition. Smooth operator. He wrote it and say, tell me Michael Jackson's Moonwalker was an arcade game and not just the Genesis game. Otherwise, someone might have a lawsuit on their hands. I'm sure this game is probably pretty bad. Thanks for the podcast, guys. I don't know how I could ignore people at work without you. And Douglas, it was indeed an arcade game, and it is indeed this week's topical arcade game. It's Michael Jackson's Moonwalker from Sega uh, I think in 1990. Is that right, Mike? That's correct. This this version of the game, and there were three of them that were developed in a vacuum, I guess. Like three um, different arcade games? Th- well, no, there was there was the arcade game and then two home versions, but they were developed simultan- oh, simultaneously in a vacuum, so there was no crossover between the development. Can't breathe in a vacuum. Um, so, yes, 1990. must have programmed really quickly so they run out of air. <laughs> That's right. 1990, uh, Sega, this was at, kind of at the height of Michael Jackson's fame, but it was before all the... Really distasteful stuff started showing up in the news about how weird this guy was. And, and According other- to the credits, he basically made this game himself, speaking in a vacuum. What do you mean? Well, he's the only person listed. Game concept and design by Michael Jackson, uh, songs by Michael Jackson. As far as I know, he programmed it because nobody else gets listed. Yeah, it's, it's funny. If you watch the end credits, too, it's nothing but Michael Jackson, you know, stage one song, bad. Michael Jackson, stage two, like, smooth criminal, you know, that sort of thing. There's, there's I don't think else- he programmed this game. I don't think he did either, but we don't know. And we can't I, ask I him know. anymore. I can. You Let's can. join hands <laughs> around the table. <laughs> no, it's pronounced. <laughs> which they, make that, they make that sound. Oh, Between okay, every so this, level. 
Uh, uh, so, and also when you put coins in, it makes that sound. That, he was very excited to, to rescue these children. So we should talk about that. The, the basics, <laughs> the basis of this game is based on his earlier 1988 movie called Moonwalker. And if you're, which I have not seen and you don't want to, if you, if you really are interested in, in seeing it, it was um, recently re-released on Blu-ray. Um, and the, the arcade game is mostly like the second half of the movie. The first part is kind of, him just doing various clips of, of dancing and music that don't really come together. And then the second part of the movie is him where, where he turns into cars and robots and stuff. And he has to rescue, he and some children have to escape an evil drug dealer. It's, it's a very strange thing. And is it Mr. Big? Cause uh, in the video game, it's Mr. It Big. It actually is Mr. Big and the Mr. Big in the video game sort of looks like the Mr. Big, um, uh, in the movie, but it's, uh, it's sort of random as, as to what parts of this, of the movie made it into the game and what parts didn't because you touch Michael Jackson's chimp famous chimp bubbles is in the game and he just sort Don't of touch my bubbles till you touch bubbles and then you become a giant <laughs> robot. For oh, reason. see that's the best part because you've got these. <laughs> and so, yes, it seems on every level there will be bubbles, the chimpanzee. And when you collect the chimp, then uh, remarkably, first you become giant just for a second, then you shrink back down, but you shrink down into a robo Michael Jackson with laser beams, which is totally awesome. I just love the fact that I got to use the phrase robo Michael Jackson with laser beams. <laughs> um, and now I say awesome, but there's not really a lot of this game that I did find is awesome. I think it's a pretty, no, it's a, it's a normal beat em up game, except instead of using attacks like physical attacks and guns and things, you're using your, your, magical dance ability and and magic spell things he casts from his hands. I really don't understand why Michael Jackson, before he comes to Robo Jackson, is still able to like shoot beams from his hands. I don't get that. Right. So just the one hand. I guess it's the glove hand, but Yeah. Whatever. So so you have you have uh two buttons. The first button is the the uh, magical energy and if you just tap the button, if you're standing right next to somebody, he'll do this little spin move and knock them out. If you're sort of close, he'll do like a minimal ranged attack where the this energy shoots out of his hand and, and knocks back his enemies. And if you hold the button down, it'll sort of build up and he'll kind of go into the moonwalk. He'll do the moonwalk as the energy is building up and and the, he'll, you know, the, the, the glowing ball of energy will get bigger and turn blue and stuff. And uh, The problem with that is there are so many en- enemies running at you that it's really not a good idea to hold that down for a long time because you're going to get shot to death. I kept thinking of it as he was building up static. He does the moonwalk and I think everything's carpeted <laughs> and he's building up static and then he just touches people. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. And the other button is your – it's it's equivalent to the, the level clear in space games, you know, where you hit it and the bomb goes off and all the ships It's a, It's explode. a smart bomb. Right. The but difference, with dance. The different one – yes. The, the <laughs> awesome thing about this is this is a this is a, a dance – thing. So when you hit this button, I think you only get it once per level or once per area. Uh, a spotlight comes on Michael and he starts into one of his famous dances and everything on the screen, except for the chimp, if the chimp is there or the children that you're rescuing has to dance with you. All the bad all guys, the robots, all, all the bad the robots, guys, everybody yes, breaks into dance and then they just explode. Yes. You dance them to death. Like I love Michael Jackson can dance people to death. That's right. Is the message of this. So there are a total of, of five levels that you have to fight through to get to Mr. Big. Yes. The first well. one is called the cavern level. And in that is uh bad. 
Um, yeah, each level seems to have like one a particular theme song. That I I did get far enough to get into level two, <laughs> and I noticed, hey, the music changed. But yes. for the most part, I spent this week listening to the song "Bad" because I spent most of my time on level one. <laughs> well, and "Bad" is the only song that appears twice in the game, and it's the only song that is completely in there. Now, this is because this is 1990, and these are our. Uh, arcade games you're not actually hearing like an album cut you're, you're hearing like a, a midi a version. midi version of the game over and over uh, of the song over and over so from there you move into the amusement quarter which is like an amusement park and that plays smooth criminal and then you have the night street which is sort of a a street scene where you beat up uh, which i think was from might have been from his bad video um which weirdly they play and they play beat it there so maybe that was the video um the th- the fourth song is the graveyard uh, and oh so that'd be thriller well actually no this is another oh. part of me and apparently the Sega couldn't get Michael to give them thriller he wanted more money than than they That's were weird yeah than than but they were willing the other to pay ones? what's that but did he give the other ones that's yeah. kind of weird yeah it's very since strange. he's the only person credited you think he'd give himself <laughs> right. the song yeah and the final stage uh, the fifth stage the evil fortress and that's uh, where they play bad again. Uh, and at the end of that, you, you take on uh, Mr. Big, the drug dealer, and he's in this weird spider robot thing. Oh. Um, and he, and he starts off. Bad guys should have spider robot things. <laughs> he starts off the fight with uh, saying, I love you, Michael to death. <laughs> <laughs> I love you to death. That's right. Uh, so, that's and if you, if you, I think complete, I'd be voting for him by that time. And if you complete all five stages, the, during the credit, I just call it credit because it's just him over and over. Uh, the song that's playing is Billy Jean. <laughs> it's not credits. It's just credits. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is like, okay, so it's basically the Simpsons. It's like all these beat-em-up games. It right. just, it, it felt to me like it's yet another beat-em-up game. I like the fact that you've got the, I mean, the bubbles, the chimpanzee thing. It just seems like a ridiculous way to become Robo Michael Jackson. I don't, with your laser beams. I don't understand why. Like, they're just throwing that in because I guess he's famous for having... I think he actually had Bubbles the Chimp, because like, it's actual, his own pet, right? Yes, he did. He, well, he had a whole zoo of exotic animals, but he would take the chimp out into public at, at appearances yeah. and stuff like but, that. So they're just shoehorning it into the game, but it... it Everything it's in this just, game is shoehorned in. But it's silly. Like, it that doesn't make sense that that finding the chimp turns you into a robot. Like, I didn't get that bit. I liked, however... The the smart bomb, the dance magic thing, like the spotlight, everybody's got to dance and then you wipe them out. It's sort of like that what's more of a feeling thing uh, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I and I dug that. Like I thought that was a really that was a really appropriate on theme, interesting and fun. Like so I liked that bit. For the most part, this, you know, coming on 1990 into the beat em up era. This is an era where I was losing interest in arcade games. In fact, I had already lost and I had moved on. So I remember seeing this in arcades, never played it because by this time I just wasn't interested in arcades anymore. I like the fact that it integrates his music. I mean, if you're going to play a Michael Jackson game, it should have his music and that's cool. And I guess it makes sense. You'd have one song per level. I now that I know about it, don't like the fact that it if you're going to have a graveyard level, it should absolutely be Thriller because then you do the dancing and everybody, all the zombies would do the Thriller dance and it would be awesome. So that would be fun. So another part of me is a song I don't even know. Um, but I only got to hear Bad and then a little bit of Smooth Criminal because we get to play on one quarter and that's as far as I can get. <laughs> but you could continue. I guess I like I, I yeah. could have kept this, pumping them in. But when we play for this week, I try to stick with the one quarter thing. So Yeah, this definitely is a quarter muncher. Um, mm. You have the 20 seconds to continue. And it makes you sit through all 20 of them if you don't want to continue. So it's really sort of encouraging you. Like if you get a high score, 
and you want to put your initials in, you got to wait for that 20 second countdown, which is kind of annoying. Because I'm not, in this case, I was playing on MAME, I just kept resetting it. I'm like, nope, <laughs> screw it, play again. I'm not going to wait through all that. Like, <laughs> Escape, reload. <laughs> totally. So I, I recommend if you're playing this a real machine, we get you 20 seconds, reach around back, do the McGinnis maneuver, which as we'll remember is you unplug the arcade game. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, this is a true multiplayer game though. Up to three people it can is. play and you play simultaneously. Simultaneous- and I like that. I mean, beat em up games like, like playing The Simpsons or what have you, they're often simultaneous games. And I guess it's the case that you all play Michael Jackson anyway, just multiple, well, you do. multi-Jackson, just different color schemes or something. Yes, there are three, you, all three of you can play Michael Jackson. I, I chose the three player option once just to see what would happen. Uh, and the main player shows up in the, in his his classic red suit um the the or sorry the, is it the white suit i think is player one yeah the one the guy that i would play usually right. would be white suits with a hat and he had like a blue a blue uh shirt right and the the second michael jackson was a, a red suit with a white shirt and the third michael jackson was a black suit with a red shirt okay so but and i i tend to be a lot less critical of quarter munchers when they are simultaneous social type games. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot more sense to me because if I'm playing with my friends, I don't want to be the only one that like died early and have to watch them play for another 20 minutes or so. So I'm a lot more likely to dump another quarter in and it doesn't bother me as much. To do right. That. Cause it's sort of like you're, you're paying for the time and you're paying to see the different levels and, and see the plot unfold. Like when you're playing gauntlet or whatever, it's about let's go down to another level and see what comes on. So, so I, I totally get that. And it's, I guess it's a game as well that comes to an end. Like you're saying, there's a, a final, boss fight i guess it takes place on the moon or something i don't know how you get from all i saw was underground lair in that first level <laughs> and then you're like outside this nightclub and then you go into into a nightclub and then i die and so that's what i saw <laughs> um so i'm not really sure how that becomes then a graveyard thing and then you end up on the moon well but what, it'd be it, fun to watch the, i guess the transition isn't really transitions are rough i mean you just so you rescue the idea is is on each in each area there's two or three kids held by these weird stargate circle things and you walk up to, and you're up here. I'm going, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make the joke that I swore I wouldn't make you touch the children and they, they <laughs> show me on the doll. Where Michael <laughs> Jackson right. touched you. And, and the child escapes. Thank you, Michael or whatever. And, and when you, when you rescue the last one, there's a, always a doorway. And as soon as you rescue the last one, Michael walks over, you lose control of, of your character. Michael walks over to the door, disappears into it. The screen goes black. You're in the next area. Yeah. And, and, and I noticed because I, I did get to see level two. And so there's sort of like, cartoon pages yeah, almost like comic, comic pages comic book cutscenes that, that sort of try to tell you a weird story and you don't need to read it it doesn't it doesn't help the story at all uh but we should probably talk about the different bad guys um i was just gonna say i like some of the bad guys i mean a lot of them are generic the henchmen the guys that i saw anyway but i like there's like these robot or robo turret things that go around and at the there's like a mini boss at the end of level one which is this robot that shoots buzz saws at you and that was kind of cool and then um i get into level two and then it's just like so there's some gangsters and soldiers and these guys hiding behind the tables and then i die so michael tell me what other ones there are well you got the, <laughs> that's that's all i got to you see you got the gangsters and some of them are on foot and some of them you know the, as you clear an area a car full of gangsters will pull up on the street and more of them will pile out and start shooting at you. You've got these, once you get into later levels, you get these crazy, I don't know what psychopaths or something. They have knives that they spin around and they don't really even try to attack you. They sort of run in circles. And if you get near them, they, they kind of stab at you. It's a very strange thing. I they don't, get stabby. <laughs> they get stabby. Yes. And I don't really understand what's going on there. 
Uh, there's a section where you have the bad guys throwing barrels at you and you kind of, you, you can't jump. So you either have to shoot them or, or avoid them, um, which is kind of annoying, but there's guys in the orange jumpsuits. I got to see that would throw these smoke bomb type things mm-hmm. at you. Little, like and, hand and, smoke yeah, bomb exactly. Things. And, and, the, and it would stay like the, the smoke from that or the explosion, whatever would stay on screen for a long time and you have to avoid it. Um, there's, a there's a lot of different robots in the game and, and the one there's, there's two that stand out in my mind. The first one, <laughs> we'll get to that one. The first one is this like weird vacuum. <laughs> what cleaner. I'm laughing about. There's, it looks like this weird vacuum cleaner. It's like a, a sort of a sphere on three wheels and it's got this big wavy pipe that comes out of the top of, and looks like one of those old style vacuum cleaners that you used to see. I don't get that, but uh, most of them are, you know, a little, uh, there's flamethrower turrets in the street that pop up for what, for, I don't know what Mr. Big was doing planting, flamethrowers in the street, but he does. Um, and there's different kind of, there's, um, okay. <laughs> the second level boss. And they, and then this, this boss will again show up or it's a third, third level boss. And the boss will then again show up in other levels, just as a smaller version of itself. Looks like either at two Oh nine from Robocop or an ATST from star Wars with a giant ramming penis. And there's no other way to, to describe it, this thing. I didn't get it, far enough to see that one, but I've seen the video. And that was exactly my first thought. I was like, um, this seems to be a particularly well-endowed robot, Zachy Michael. It, what is going well, on? Well, and it's not just – it doesn't just wave the penis at you. It it withdraws the thing and then slams it forward. Like It is trying to bang you with this penis. That's really all there is to it. And there goes our clean tag. And sorry, folks, but this is just a really weird thing to have in the, a Michael Jackson game. I wish I hadn't already used the phrase McGinnis maneuver or something else. <laughs> no, you cannot. Um, <laughs> no, it's already taken, and you're lucky. You're lucky that it is. There, there is um, there's, so if you've ever seen some of the, these futuristic science fiction TV shows or, or movies where they try to envision what cops might look like or, or soldiers might look like in the future and the weapons and the vehicles that they have, there's, inevitably there's always one where there's this like a guy that's so, sort of seated – like he's on a motorcycle, but the, there's a giant wheel that goes around him. So he's sort of in the center of the wheel and it kind of rolls. That's in this game for, for no reason. There's one of those things that shows up. Um, and there's later on, there's a, a, I don't know how to describe this other than to say it's a three barrel cannon that shoots ghosts at you. It's in the, the graveyard area and this thing just shoots ghosts at you. That's really all there is. And so there's a lot of, I don't, think there was a lot of thought that really went into it other than they went well we're in a graveyard we need ghosts let's throw them at them i mean the the graphics are actually really good because i'm so uh, used to no, earlier video games no, so i no, 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 no i but i mean just in that they're very clear i totally understood what everything was but it's just i didn't find that there was i, I it doesn't appeal to me like this style of graphics there, there was no charm to it i found that it just seemed relatively generic the bad guys were all the same bad guy so i thought you know, I thought it was, in a sense, well drawn. I always knew what was what, but it just this this kind of style of graphic doesn't appeal to me. So yeah, you're you're, you're uh, you have sort of a, a top down three quarters isometric view, I think is what they call it, uh, which at first kind of was difficult because you have to learn to shoot diagonally. Um, you, you know, you pull down, you're aiming down. It's an eight way joystick, but you still sort of end up aiming down. The shots tend, for me anyway, tended to go more. Uh, all along the vertical and horizontal and less diagonally. And maybe that was just the way I was shooting. Um, the Sega Genesis, the home versions of this sacrificed that view and went with a sort of the side scroller. And, and I think I would have preferred that. 
And well, and, and everything that I've read was that the, the Sega Mega Drive or the Genesis uh, Master System version was a lot more popular because of the view and, and the way it changed the game mechanic. Now, this is this game came out in 1990, and I thought the graphics were kind of crappy because it was that late. Uh, if this had been 1984, yeah, oh my goodness, so much better. Especially because it's on a System 18. Is that what? Yes, you know? yes, Sega System 18 with its suicide chip. Yep, and we'll get to that in just a minute. Or suicide but, battery, right. rather. Yeah. But uh, overall, you know, and of course, then you got the the sound is you know Michael Jackson MIDI music. So if you like that sort of thing and you don't mind hearing it over and over and over again, it's probably mm-hmm. not going to bother you that much. And, and some speech, but just like little bits yeah, of speech, not much. like the, with the orphan saying Michael. And when you when you first start the game, it's Moonwalker, right? Uh, is spoken, but so not a lot of speech, but a little bit. Yeah. So, um, the, the system 18 platform features the, the Motorola 68,000 at 10 megahertz. It has a second, uh, Intel 8751 at eight megahertz for the CPUs. The sound CPU is a Z80 at eight megahertz, and it has two YM3438, uh, sound chips, uh, both at eight megahertz and an RF five C sixty eight also at ten megahertz doing the sound. So there's a lot of a lot of processing power there, and it doesn't really show other than the fact that there's a, a ton of stuff going on at the screen all at the same time, and it's it's always smooth. I never felt any lag. Mm-hmm. I never felt like it was I was waiting. You know, push the joystick and waiting half a second, dying because of it. It was always, and so maybe that's where it went rather than making it look good. Um, yeah, because the even though it's only got a ten megahertz. 68k main cpu i mean the the way that the system 18 works is i guess you can have 128 sprites on screen at once so in this case we never had even remotely that number so i think it's it's able to handle it quite well and it's got i think three or four different tile levels so it's it's or tire tile layers so it's the you know it's it's versus like home systems at the time because i think i had more powerful systems just in the nature of their chips at at home by 1990 but when you're dealing with something that's specific for arcade games and you've got that spray handling and you've got the tile layers you can really do a lot with the graphics you know much more than i could as an equivalent home machine the screen uh the screen is oriented horizontally uh it's a, a 320 by 224 pixels and it featured a an 8192 color palette uh three players simultaneous eight-way joystick with three buttons each three buttons three buttons I thought it was just two buttons. I think I might have been missing a button. <laughs> I think I only played um, this with two buttons. You got your special move button, and you got your you know shoot or hold yeah, down to shoot button. Maybe like I a think start they're counting. They're counting the start button. Yeah, it doesn't count. Yeah. No, two buttons. Um, Carrington, tell me about the cabinet. It's got two buttons per player. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know it's 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 red is what it is, and it's not the color scheme I would have thought. Generic, since it's the um, system eighteen, it's just coming in a generic cabinet. And you could swap the bezel art and the marquee and the side art because it could also be, you know, you can convert between these things. It's just a black cab and with a with a standard width control panel. It's not one of those ones like The Simpsons. You see some games where it's a three and four player multiplayer beat em up and you get a bigger control panel, like wider than the actual game. This is a case where the control panel is slightly leaning down. It's not completely flat to, to the floor. Um, but it's the same width as the cabinet. So it's a little, I think it looks a little cramped to play. Uh, it's very, very red. It has relatively generic artwork. It's kind of surprisingly generic, to be honest. Like it says Michael Jackson's Moonwalker and then the Sega logo. Um, 
very, very plain logo in the marquee and then a, a mostly just plain red bezel art with a little bit of instructions at the top and bottom and that's it. And the side art is like just a, you know, a, a third height sticker that goes on the side again, just with the, the cover image from the movie, that rainbow Michael Jackson face dancing thingy. You'll know it if you see it and uh, the generic logo under that. And then I guess the only thing that sets it apart is there's Michael Jackson's signature up above the side art on the side of the cabinets, but it's just, it's a sticker. And so um, it's, but it's a black, it's white writing on black, but against the cabinet, you still have the texture and reflection differences. So it still just, just looks like a sticker, but at least it's got his signature on it. So if you're really into Michael Jackson, I think that makes it look okay. But to be honest, it's a fairly generic cabinet. So I was, I was less impressed by it. Maybe it's because only one person was involved in this entire game. (laughs) And so since it was Michael Jackson, he didn't have time after programming it himself and doing all the art himself and doing all the marketing himself built every and all the motion capture, <laughs> built every cabinet by hand. Maybe after that, he didn't have time to do better art. So we should <laughs> cut him some slack. I don't know. This, uh, we'd mentioned this last week or the week before on another game. But who listened? <laughs> right. Well, that's why I can't remember the name, the game we were talking about, but we'd mentioned that, that, um, some of these games, especially, oh, it was American horseshoes where later on, these are they're companies that are beginning to to look for ways to differentiate themselves uh, by changing game mechanics or or going in a completely different direction. And to me, this feels like uh, Sega looking for a way to stand out from other identical beat 'em up games. Yeah, and and really, it's just you know you license the Michael Jackson thing and say there you go, yeah, slap another coat of paint on it. Yeah. He comes from a place beyond the stars to take them to a world beyond their dreams. From his soul comes the music. From his heart comes the beat. Now, from the imagination of Michael Jackson comes a movie like no other. This is another uh, winners don't use drug screen if you play the U.S. version. Woohoo! Love that. I didn't notice that, but I was tripping balls the whole time. So, <laughs> well, maybe that's why. <laughs> if you, uh, it's only on the U.S. ROM. If you play the world ROM, which is the parent ROM, you wouldn't have seen this. What about the Canadian ROM? Is there a Canadian ROM? No, there should be. <laughs> but there should be. <laughs> right. There absolutely should be Canadian ROMs for all these games. Uh, and so. I, for this for this game, for whatever reason, it didn't take me long to get really good at it. And I was able to finish the game. Oh um, my God. On one quarter on a single quarter. Yep. Oh man. Well, we don't need to talk about score this week then. <laughs> well, I, I barely can get into level two on one quarter, like really? just barely. Yeah. Mm. 
Oh, hmm. <laughs> I'm just wondering it what's sucked. wrong with you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't cheat. So, <laughs> so if you do finish the game, uh, you get this little message that says, uh, Mr. Big's evil plot has been foiled with the destruction of his deadly doomsday weapon, the gigantic laser cannon. I don't think you need to say deadly if it's a doomsday <laughs> weapon. It wouldn't be much of a doomsday weapon if it wasn't deadly. It could be. Could just be really <laughs> annoying. <laughs> his ticklish doomsday weapon. His minorly inconvenient doomsday weapon. This uh, occasional headache doomsday weapon. Uh, no, his his doomsday weapon is the gigantic laser cannon. And with his massive fortress reduced to cinders, he is no longer a threat to mankind. But what of Michael? All it is known is that he was last seen soaring away from the crumbling enemy stronghold, headed towards the distant horizon. And the children that he saved, well. They're smiling because deep down in their hearts, they know that Michael will return one day to share with them another wondrous and magical adventure. And this is where I began to wonder how being caught and enslaved by a drug dealer was a wondrous and magical adventure. But I guess in Michael Jackson's (laughs) weird world, maybe it makes sense. I don't know. How'd you do on score, Carrington? Poorly. Shut up. Come on. (laughs) So I, you, okay. My high score was 32,490. Usually, though, like 19 out of 20 games, I would get under 20,000. Like, it's usually the case that I would die near the end of level one or just into level two. I never got even to the halfway point level two. Like, there's different, like, like each level has like two parts to it, I guess. And I never got into the second part of level two. So there's this bit where the, the we were talking about it earlier, the guys in the orange jumpsuits are throwing the, the exploding smoke bomb thingies. And then you go inside and there's a whole bunch of en- en- enemies and they're hiding behind these tables and stuff. And and um, I'll use my little dance thingy because you get a second one for level two. But then, you know, basically my, my games would last like four and a half minutes or so, like on average, which is pretty decent for a quarter game. Um, but that's as far as I get. Like I'm, I could easily have just put more quarters in and keep going. It's the kind of game that everybody could finish if you wanted to, if you're playing a main, because you can just play for free. Um, it's just it wouldn't be as fun. So I would like to get better so I could get farther, except I'm not going to get better because I don't intend to play this again. But so far, my best score was 32,490. What about you, Mike? Did you say all that again? I was really enjoying it. Oh, you suck so badly. <laughs> uh, I finished the game with 268,760 points. My goodness. Like, that's just crazy you can do that on one quarter. I mean, it's a game to... That's the thing. is like with these beat-em-ups, they're designed to whittle you down. Like, it's not that I'm terrible at it, although I'm terrible at it. Uh-huh. But in addition to being terrible at it, like, it's designed that you, you just occasionally get hit. And, like, it's... The game designers designed it poorly where you can finish on one quarter. <laughs> if I can finish on one quarter, it's designed... Well, because the whole point of these games... Is, is to get more than one quarter out of somebody, like to get to the end and it should cost you a few quarters. And here's the weird thing. I So the, the world record holder has has 3,614,300 points uh, set by Richard Souther. And so I, when when the game ended and I started seeing the the credits, I just hit escape and quit. I'm, I wonder if the game starts again because I don't know how you would get that many points on one playthrough, even – even with the the amount of stuff that you can kill and blow up, I don't know that there were that many bonuses. So I might have yeah, to yeah, it can't be. It's got it's got to be that you can just I guess keep, keep playing. So, I would again, I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> My corpse is literally level yeah, two. <laughs> I, usually, I suck at, at I suck at almost all the games that we play. But every now and then, I'll find one that for whatever reason the rhythm just makes sense and I can do kind of okay. Because you're you're tapping to your inner Michael Jackson. 
So if you want to play other versions of this game, like you were saying that the the Sega Genesis version is is more popular in a sense. The nice thing is over on archive.org, they have you you because there's that new mess thing where you can play things online. We'll have links to these in the show notes, but you can play the Sega Genesis Moonwalker, the Rev Zero version, right in a browser. Like you can go there and play the Sega Genesis one through archive.org. And they also have the ZX Spectrum version available as well. It came on three discs, it looks like. Those discs are hosted on archive.org if you were looking for a way to play through an emulator. But again, you can just click on a, a link and it'll open up in a window and you can play that online as well. So I think that's kind of cool. Nice. I like that. And I think there's going to be another one as well. There's going to be some, I guess this thing called Planet Michael, which is a, a uh, MMORPG that's supposed to have come out back in 2011. It's still supposedly coming <laughs> soon over at planetmichael.com. So I'll have a link for someday in the future when it gets open. So the, this Martin Bialis, who's the CEO of the company that's putting it out called C Virtual Worlds, um, he's on record saying that the gameplay will focus on Jackson's dance moves and adhere to his credo of nonviolence, a departure from other online multiplayer games such as World of Warcraft. So he's hating on WoW and Planet Michael is supposedly coming soon, but is now three years late. Well, as I was playing this, I was wondering um, if it would have been now this granted was seven or eight years before the dance dance revolution thing. But I wonder if this could have been somehow made into the, a mechanic where you have to, you know, mimic his dance moves in order to, to move further into the game rather than just having a joystick. And cause when you hit the dance button, you don't do anything else. He does his little dance move, but you're not in control of any of that stuff. So it's not like you're actually getting to try and make Michael dance what you saw on stage or in a commercial or something. That's actually a really good idea. You know, like we're often talking about games that use alternative control panels. This would be a really interesting game if there was no joystick. If it was so you press the button and then you're on a treadmill, go to town. And you got to like, you got to walk, you got to moonwalk, you got to dance. You got to dance. Idea trademark, no quarter. Call me Sega. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> so we've been spending a lot of time in in the, the far distant future of the early 90s and, and playing these arcade games and and uh, I'm sort of tired of that, the, the whole, you know, future is, uh, that bodes well. future is perfect Sandra Bullock singing commercials. And um, <laughs> so I think we're going to jump into the past a little bit, Ooh. way, way, way into, well, maybe not that far. I like the past. Well, and there we shall go. Ooh, what's it going to sound like? It sort of sounds like this. And I think that's about all I have to say about Moonwalker. That's all there is to say about Moonwalker. Bye, everybody. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent by email to noquarter at monsterfeet.com, or you can find us on Facebook as No Quarter Podcast, and on Twitter, we are at No Quarter Show. You can also find us on both the Throwback Network and the Real Retro Junkies Network. All of these links, plus the show notes, are available at monsterfeet.com, and like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain. <laughs>